He was a bold man that first ate an oyster. I believe that was Jonathan Swift. Are we naming them now? Look at you. I had no idea you were such a fan of the mollusk. Never really gave him a chance before. But I'm acquiring a taste. Hi there, and welcome to Baseball by Design. I am SportsLogos.net minor league baseball correspondent Paul Caputo, broadcasting live, as always, from the Sunday Helmet Hall of Fame in my basement in Fort Collins, Colorado. Today, we're going to be talking about the Biloxi Shuckers, the AA affiliate of the Milwaukee Brewers who play in Biloxi, Mississippi. Later on in this episode, I will be speaking with Jason Klein of Brandios. I will be speaking with Dee, who is a manager at the Blind Tiger Restaurant. And of course, Dan Simon will be here with a Biloxi-themed Studio Simon Stumper. Right now, I am so pleased to be joined by Javik Blake, who is the broadcaster, the media relations guy for the Biloxi Shuckers. Javik, how are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you, Paul? Thanks for having me on. Oh, man, this is such a fun brand, and I'm so, so happy to be talking about it. We were talking before we started the interview here. Uh, you you made your way south uh, from the New England area. You've got a background going to minor league baseball. You grew up watching the Paw Sox. Pour one out for the Paw Sox there. Uh, so, but you've got, a, you've got a history with minor league baseball. How did you get involved? How did you end up as the the broadcaster for the Biloxi Shuckers? You know, I've always loved baseball and especially minor league baseball growing up because, I mean, even as a kid, it's the same as it was today. You could get a $5 ticket to watch the Pawtucket Red Sox. And I grew up a diehard Yankees fan in the heart of Red Sox country. So uh, anytime the scranton Wilkesbury at the time they were the Yankees and then they switched to the Rail Riders when I was probably in like middle school or early high school. Um, but you know, you get $5 ticket, go see future big leaguers and you can get as close to the action as you possibly could. Cause I grew up closer to, to McCoy stadium in Pontucket than I did any other ballpark. I was like an hour and 15 from Fenway and Fenway tickets were back then still very expensive to go to. Um, so the lure of going to like a minor league baseball game, getting like a $5 ticket on a Sunday afternoon and just going me and my dad to go watch baseball. Um, that's what got me into the game of baseball just in general. Um, so the opportunity to now work in minor league baseball um, and, you know, see those little kids that I was once at once way back when um, is it, just so cool to see. And as far as getting to Biloxi, um, you know, I've had a couple of different stops throughout um professional baseball and collegiate summer ball. Um, I spent two years working uh, with the Wareham Gateman and the Cape Cod Baseball League. Um, and then in 2021, 2020, um, I worked with the High Point Rockers, which I, I've, one of the big parts about every stop I've been, the logo has been incredible. The Rockers, you have rocket powered rocking chairs. Um, <laughs> in 2022, I worked for the Fond du Lac Doc Spiders in oh, yeah. the Northwest League, which is another incredible brand. Yeah. Um, and then this past year, um, I was originally brought on as the number two for the Shuckers, which again, a great logo. Mm -hmm. um, originally as the assistant before or um, the oh, former number one here in Biloxi, Garrett Green, um, got a job with the AAA Sugarland Space Cowboys, which is yet another great branding. And mm -hmm. even though they switched from the Skeeters, which was another great brand as well. <laughs> um, and with him um, departing and, and getting a promotion to AAA, um, you know, I, I went through the interview process once again and ended up sliding in as the the number one media relations manager, broadcaster, and, and all that comes with it here in Biloxi. And it's been such a blast and such an incredible opportunity. Um, you know, I graduated college. I finished up in January, uh, moved down here in February. And to be a number one um, in double A's is just an incredible opportunity. Um, you know, I can't thank our, our front office staff enough for the opportunity. And it's just been a, an incredible ride over these last 
eight in the last eight, nine months of, of everything that's gone into being uh, a number one in double A and obviously working with one of the coolest brands in minor league baseball. Cause where else are you going to find a team that's, you know, our hashtag is shuck. Yeah. Where <laughs> else are you going to use that line? <laughs> well, so let me ask you about this. I mean, I brought that up the fact that you, you know, you sort of came down from the East coast, you know, North of where I was, right. Like I grew up in the Philadelphia area, but, and then went to school in Richmond. So you did an even more extreme thing. You went from Massachusetts all the way to Biloxi, there, this brand is sort of based on the the Gulf of Mexico and the sort of seafood industry there. I'll just ask you, first of all, to state it in your own words, but then I want to ask you about sort of your adaptation to this. What is a shucker? Why is a team in Biloxi, Mississippi called the shuckers? Well, so one of the big things about the Gulf Coast is seafood. The seafood industry is one of the most dominant industries down here on the Gulf Coast. Obviously in Biloxi, you with anyone who's seen the pictures, you have all the different casinos and everything, but tucked in, there's a maritime museum. There are a ton of shrimping boats that'll come in on a daily basis. And anytime you want to get seafood that is fresh caught from the Gulf of Mexico, it is readily available um, throughout Biloxi. And I think one of the cool things about this logo and about this brand is that it really encapsulates that. Um, and what a shucker is, it's it's someone who shucks oysters, but the obviously the logo is an alive oyster. Um, and, you know, how that plays into it and sort of the, the seafood um, background and, and sort of playing on, on the Gulf Coast with the colors and such, um, it, it kind of all ties it in together. Um, I mean, what I think is, is a really cool way. And, you know, speaking of the minor league baseball logo side, you know, one of the first kind of random minor league baseball apparel things I owned was a Biloxi Shuckers t-shirt in 2015 when they first came out with the logo. So going back at old pictures and seeing, you know, me wearing that shirt and now I'm here is, is just another thing about how crazy small of a world it is and how crazy wild of a world it is in baseball. Well, so you mentioned 2015 and this is actually, I mean, this is really important to me as a fan of minor league baseball brands and, you know, the sort of arc that they have taken over the last 10, 15 years in terms of the the sheer sort of wackiness and and fun of them. Too many of them to name, right? There's a bajillion of them out there. And 2015 was sort of right at the, to me, it feels like a turning point of when the sort of wackiness really started crescendoing. That brand has now been around for almost a decade. How normalized has a live oyster for a team called the Shuckers become for you as a uh, in that market and in minor league baseball in general? Well, I think one of the funny things when you talk about kind of the rise of the wacky names, that what makes Logo Vembers so much fun every single year. It's like, all right, who's coming up with what? But I think one of the cool things is that it is able to reflect sort of where the location is and in a nod to what the city is, because there are tons and tons of minor league baseball cities that have just such risk histories outside of just baseball itself. Like in Biloxi, it is, you know, a capital of, of seafood and maritime industry that has been a thing for centuries. Um, and to be able to play on that with something that again is fun and a little bit wacky and, you know, something that, that plays really well, not only in the community, but also nationally of people's like, Hey, what is a shucker? Let me let me figure out this. Let me go get some merchandise. And I think that's one of the cool things about minor league baseball teams is there are so many people that like, say, for example, El Paso or Biloxi, you could have no connection to Biloxi or El Paso or Hartford, but you're like, but I want a yard go tap. 
I'd love a Shuckers hat. <laughs> that is one of the really cool things about these brands is that it's able to have a national presence while still paying homage to sort of the, the industry here in Biloxi and, and a really awesome local tie um, to a city with a rich history, not only on the baseballing side of things, but in the seafood side of things. The local connection is really, I think, just paramount to all of minor league baseball branding. I mean, I think it's the things you mentioned, the yard goats, right? Like the yard goats are, are to me, the sort of quintessential team where people are like, ah, they picked that name out of a hat. And, you know, in fact, it actually has this like rich backstory related to the railroad industry, right? Like, so, you know, the, the fact of these connections, the, the Binghamton rumble ponies are another one, right? Like everyone's like rumble ponies. And then you learn about the carousel industry and it's just like, okay, that, you know, that's cool. I mean, I think that that's really, that's really fun. So often uh, Binghamton's an example. They were the Binghamton Mets. They changed to the rumble ponies. There was a big uproar. Everyone said, ah, this is, you know, this is too wacky. It's too crazy. Biloxi didn't have that, right? Biloxi had this franchise move into town and become the Shuckers. There was really very little baseball history in Biloxi before the Shuckers. I did see on uh, Wikipedia that the Gulfport Biloxi Sand Crabs played in the Class C Cotton States League in 1907. So it had been a little while. I do love the name. Gulfport Biloxi Sand Crabs, though. I mean, that's a that's a fun one right there. But this team came into a market that didn't have baseball and rolled right in with this this wacky nickname and this sort of crazy shuckers, you know, this armless, <laughs> this armless anthropomorphized shucker who is still at, or, or, or oyster who is still in his shell. Understanding that this happened before you were there, you were out there buying shirts when you were living in the Northeast. But from from what you know from being there, what was the community's reaction when the when the team was first announced, and then how has it been embraced since then? I think the overwhelming portion of it is Biloxi, and it's been the case for the past nine years now. Um, is the community is just so excited to have their own team and you know you look at the shuckers coming in um there was a minor league pro hockey team in the echl um up until katrina and the biloxi shuckers are the first professional sports team on the gulf coast since then we were, we were the first to come um and coming um from huntsville um, where we were the stars to becoming the shuckers um i think one of the incredible things is just the amount of Shucker stuff you'll see in the community and in by default how much brewer stuff you see in the community which if you had no idea the Biloxi Shuckers were the double-a food of the brewers you'd be incredibly confused why a lot of people in Biloxi <laughs> Mississippi own a ton of brewers gear but I think it's one of the cool things and I think it's one of the cool things about the Biloxi communities how much they love their baseball um, and we see it every night especially with with people who come to games regularly and, and are, are Shuck Nation members which is what we call our season ticket holders um the amount of outpouring of love and support and care for the baseball team is is one of the coolest things. And I think that's what makes minor league baseball special. Um, not only do you have your diehard fans, but the way that the kids are able to interact with players. Um, you know, we had Jackson Churio this year and kids are able to come down and, and get his autograph. And, you know, he's a future, hopefully MVP, all-star, you know, Birds are hoping he's hopefully a future World Series winner. Um, but, you know, that ability and the outpouring of love and support of a team with, again, a logo that's an angry oyster is is quite incredible. And I think it really speaks not only to um, the logo itself, but the efforts on the marketing side of things and the efforts um, on the branding side of things to really entrench it in 
um, the community because the only other team prior to Biloxi, obviously the Sandcrags, we also had a, a team in the Southern Negro Leagues um, mm-hmm. that that existed um, in the 50s and then up until the 1980s that was called the Biloxi Dodgers and that we mm-hmm. honor them every single uh, Jackie Robinson day with, with special uniforms and such. Um, but to have a team that they can call their own, I think is just so special down here and, and the community really loves it. Thank you so much too, for bringing up that Biloxi Dodgers team. Obviously we talked about the Gulfport Biloxi sand crabs, but the, uh, you know, the Southern Negro leagues are an important part of, uh, baseball history in Biloxi. So I appreciate that you brought that team up. So it was, it wasn't a fully, it was more of a semi-pro team. So the Southern Negro leagues, I believe it's. Um, from about the 50s to the 80s. Um, and once the Southern Negro Leagues integrated, um, and they integrated towards the 60s, I believe, um, it just became sort of a semi-pro team. Um, but also, like, Jackie Robinson came to town with a barnstorming tour in the early 50s as well. So there's there's a lot of cool history on that side of things. Um, but, yeah, like, we're the first minor league team since the Sand Crabs in 1907 in the Cotton States League. One of the things that Brandios likes to do, and, I, you know, this is uh, part of the sort of the the storytelling that they like to do with their their logos and i i should say by the way i said that it was an armless oyster that's the primary logo there is a version of the logo where the oyster is wearing a little fishing hat and holding a bat with an arm a little oyster arm and that's uh, my so out of every logo we have in our set that <laughs> might be my favorite logo because it is just incredible it's pretty incredible with his like Gilligan hat and he's holding a bat, like not holding a bat, like he's swinging the bat, like holding the bat, like he's going to beat you over the head Joe Pesci style with it. So it's uh that is a pretty, that's a pretty great logo right there, but there, there are a handful of, of sort of looks within the logo set. And I'll get into to, to this with Jason about the actual sort of details of the design, but it's safe to sort of divide the the logos between the the oyster set and then there's like a lighthouse set and so what is the significance of this this lighthouse to Biloxi? Well, so there is a Biloxi lighthouse, um, and it is kind of one of the the hallmarks of the community. Um, so it was one of three Mississippi Sound lighthouses um, authorized in 1847. So it has been around for forever. Um, so to play on that and to draw on that as part of the logo set, again, kind of enriches it with the community. You have a nod to the seafood industry and the maritime industry as well with the lighthouse and tying it into kind of a big local landmark um, is a really fun way to kind of tie it all together. And you can keep the same colors and the same coastal theme we have going on um, with the primary logo and carrying it over to to other logos as well. Um, just makes for, I think, a set that really entrenches itself in the local community, which I think is one of the coolest things. Because like you said, it is not just a random name that was picked out of a hat 2015. It's like, all right, the Huntsville Stars, we want to go something different than the Stars. What starts with an S? Shuckers. That's not how it happens. So entrenching it into the local community, I think is such an important thing. And I think that's one of the coolest things about the whole set is that it really plays back into the Biloxi community. And the way it does is just incredible. Well, so you mentioned the the stars, and you know this franchise does have a certain amount of history, uh, even though there was not a lot of baseball history in Biloxi. The franchise itself moved from Huntsville and became the uh, they they were the stars, and then became the the Shuckers. Does the team ever do anything with that history? Is there like a you know retro night? Are they do, will they play as the stars ever, just to sort of uh, pay homage to that old team, or what role does that history play with the team? 
Uh, it doesn't play a, a role with the team really at all. Um, mm-hmm. The Rocket City Trash Pandas do some stuff with it. They had a Huntsville Stars night because the Rocket City Trash Pandas play in Madison, which is a sure. suburb of Huntsville. So they've kind of latched on to that. Um, but, the, you know, as far as the throwback nights that we do, um, really the big one um, and, and the biggest one is the Biloxi Dodgers on Southern Negro League tonight. We do every Jackie Robinson day. Um, yeah. we, we have tons of former players out to the ballpark. Um, and it's really cool retro jerseys. Um, so it's, it's a blue base with like one thick yellow stripe, one thick white stripe, Biloxi across the chest and in a really cool script font in yellow. Um, and then kind of just a basic font on the back. And, and it's such a cool jersey because the normal set is very coastal theme and such. But that just was a, such an incredible way to pay homage to um, this team in, in the Biloxi Dodgers that uh, the daughter of the owner is still alive. She loves telling stories about the team coming together and everything. But that is yet another way of which, hey, it is more than just a minor league baseball team. You know, we have ways to get more entrenched in the community, not just through the logo set and the regular jersey sets, but also through our alternate jerseys and stuff like that. And speaking of alternate jerseys, there has not been necessarily a ton of that out of the shuckers, you know, like you're already a food. So the idea of doing like sort of something like, you know, one of the food based alternates or whatever, is there talk of uh, alternates, uh, alternate brands in 2024 or 2025? Well, I'll have to check and see, but I'm, right. I'm sure we'll be, we'll be hopefully cooking up, cooking up some fun stuff this off season. As it were, as it were. <laughs> <laughs> so part of this brand for this team, obviously part of the fan experience at the game is the the mascot. And we were we were talking off air about how Schooner the Seagull has uh, a bit of a backstory as well. Can you share that? Yeah. So Schooner, obviously a team with an oyster. The logo is not an oyster walking around. It's instead a seagull. But that again ties into the big coastal theme. And obviously you look at you look up the Shuckers on Wikipedia and it lists out the colors of Gulf Blue sand coral um and having schooner as well ties to the coastal theme of having a big seagull um and even has a fun little backstory to it as well um so he was born on deer island in 2015 um so you know he's still a young little bird but deer island is one of the many barrier islands that kind of protect the biloxi coast um, and protect the gulf coast um there's about I'm going to say like six to eight barrier islands out um, in the in the Mississippi Sound that kind of protect Biloxi um, and really make it all kind of more of a, a sound than just open water. Um, but to tie him into kind of what is out there on the barrier islands um, is is a really cool way to do it and to kind of tie it more back into um, the the local community and in the local um, identity as well. And then, you know, obviously as the story goes, he loves a balanced breakfast of blue Wahoo and biscuits, which just adds to the fun <laughs> that you can have with a mascot in minor league baseball. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, I'm looking at pictures of him as you're talking here and it's uh it's definitely a, a, a fun mascot. There's a lot of semi-terrified looking children uh, in these photos with them. So, so yeah, do a Google image search of, uh, of Schooner, the Biloxi Shuckers mascot here. That is, uh, that is totally fun. Javik, thank you so much. This has been uh, such a blast to talk about this brand. Where can people find you on, uh, on social media and uh, where can people find the team online and on social media? Um, so you can find me on social media, uh, Twitter and Instagram, just at JAVBlake8. Um, and you can see the Shuckers pretty much everywhere. Our website, BiloxiShuckers.com. Uh, Twitter, at Biloxi Shuckers. Instagram, uh, at Official Biloxi Shuckers. And on Facebook, we're at Biloxi Shuckers as well to keep up to date on everything that's happening uh, throughout the season and the off season as well, because minor league season never really stops. 
That is absolutely true. Javik, thank you so much. This has been a blast. And uh, I have not been to a Shuckers game. I need to correct that and, uh, and get down there for sure. Well, come on down. Thanks so much for having me on. All right, everyone. I am so pleased to welcome back to the podcast, friend of the podcast, Jason Klein of Brandios. Jason, how are you? Great, great. Great to be here. It is uh, awfully good to see you. Through some serious traffic and weather you were experiencing in Southern California, it turns out you survived. Yeah, it never happens, but everything is flooded because, um, you know, we don't expect rain. So when we get rain, it it gets uh, it gets wild out there, wild and, uh, wild and crazy. It looked, you, you sent me a picture of what you were dealing with. It was it looked pretty severe. A place where I expect they probably get more weather than you do in San Diego is Biloxi, Mississippi. Yeah. Of the Shuckers. This is this is a uh, a fun brand, one that was you know especially unique at the time when it came out, right? Like yeah, this was yeah. this was uh, a while ago, and so you were you were really pushing the limits uh, with this brand of having an actual like anthropomorphized shellfish. Uh, yeah, with, with the primary logo, there's like no limbs or anything, right? <laughs> like it's just eyeballs and a shellfish. This yeah. was you know this this way back when. So what was it about oysters? What was it about shucking? What, how did that brand, how, did, how was that the thing that you all landed on for this brand? Yeah, so Biloxi used to be at one point the seafood capital of the world, uh, or maybe America, but definitely, um, you know, the, the big thing was the canneries down there. And there was shrimp, but definitely oysters was the thing. And I remember um, people were telling stories about how the shells, because, you know, you, you can it, all the shells would get, tossed aside and there would be like hills like mounds of these oyster shells and people would get like um, cafeteria trays and then go sledding down the side of these um you know mounds of oyster shells so there was definitely that heritage um you know some of the lettering we picked up there's a great museum um that had like a history of biloxi and we picked up um some of the lettering from the old canneries at the turn of the century and try to incorporate that into the, the look and feel. Um, the other thing too, was that when we were down there, um, we had a focus group and during this focus group, they were like, listen, we're like on the Gulf coast. Yes, we are technically in Mississippi, but like, we're like a whole different thing. And there was, you know, they, they even called themselves Coastalians, which I don't know if everybody calls them, but the focus group was really like, no, 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 we're not like, we're Coastalians. That is how we identify. And one of the things that they had said was, and I want to sort of be um, sensitive when I say this, but like, there's been a lot of weather that they get that drives people away, you know, yeah. whether it's storms, hurricanes, whatever. Um, but their, their idea was that uh, those who stay, you know, those who continue to make Biloxi their home in light of all of this um, intense weather there's like a grit, you know, like we are, we're diehards, uh-huh. right? You can't like, we're, yeah, we're like, we're here, you know, it's like nothing can drive us out. And so there is this, there is this definitely this feeling of if you are here and continue to stay here, despite all that, that says something about being a Costilian. And so, you know, that was, that was really cool. And we really wanted to like incorporate that grit into it. Um, and then there were some secondary logos, you know, like the, one of the things was the water line. That's such a, such a thing that's talked about so often down there, which is that, you know, when hurricanes come like where the, where the flooding was and, oh, you know, this is the water line and the water line is signified of, you know, this building made it through or this lighthouse made it through. So the lighthouse um, in our 
brand has uh, a waterline or, you know, waves sort of kind of coming up on it. So that was a thing that was, you know, really important to them. You know, we were like, oh, the shuckers and the fun. And they were like, you know, like the waterline and, you know, the lighthouse and, you know, withstanding all these hurricanes. That's something like we really, you know, this like um, resilience um, and perseverance that we wanted to embody in the look and feel. Yeah, the lighthouse is, uh, you know, really elegant brand and has a, a very different feeling to it than the, uh, you know, the character based one that you did yeah. with with the oyster itself. Um, I do have a couple questions about the oyster itself. Like yeah. I said, the the primary logo and one of the alternates. There's a letter B with the oyster in its shell, sort of in the the curve of the letter B. There. Yes. No. Like I said, no limbs. Uh, the only the only anthropomorphic quality of it is the eyeballs sort of peeking out. Yeah. But then of course you have another one where there he's he's got a clenched fist and he's in his other hand holding a uh, a baseball bat and he does have these limbs. Not only that, like a white Gilligan hat as well, which is uh, which is a really <laughs> fun detail. What were the challenges in creating this character with almost no defining characteristics, uh, you know, outside of the shell? Yeah, I mean, the, the idea was that sort of the character could sort of morph and move and, you know, maybe the arms are tucked in. Um, so, you know, the idea that, it's, you know, one's without arms, one's sort of like, you know, it's kind of creepy and sort of, um, you know, sort of like sort of sitting in there waiting for to do something. And then, you know, the arms come out. Um, you know, a lot of it was just um, driven by the staff and say, oh, you know, we want like a bat version with a bat. And, okay, well, what does that look like? And, you know, like, does it have, um, you know, his arms um and then the idea of sort of the you know the hat as being um something that was indicative of the region so it was uh, just a playful kind of concept that we you know put together and then the lighthouse like i said has a very different feeling about it it's yeah. uh it's a light blue with uh with a white you've got the letter b in front of it there how did it come to pass that this oyster-based identity a team called the shuckers would also have a a, a logo in this suite that that features a lighthouse I mean, that was always something that the staff really wanted to incorporate at the time was this idea of the lighthouse, the idea of what, you know, that it was the signature item, um, you know, it's a thing that they identify with. And if you think about it, too, when you're building a brand for a minor league club, you're creating something from scratch that doesn't exist, right? And so this idea of, like, what a shucker is or, you know, this character, in a lot of ways, it's a little, it's a little art project-y, right? It's not part of the fabric of the community like it is now and it's hard when you're a staff member um or you know ownership to sort of envision that whereas you know like attaching yourself to something that's already there like a lighthouse right it's like well that already has emotional value it's already got emotion baked into it so the idea that we incorporate that you sort of hijack that emotional value and sort of saying we're going to attach to this thing that already exists whereas on contrast when you're creating something new you know, like we talked about the El Paso Chihuahuas, like that was like, I mean, the Chihuahuan desert, yes, but like no one was like really thinking about, yeah, you know, this like, <laughs> this, this Chihuahuas being a part of the community. Now it's just, it's as part of the you know, community as anything else that was there before it. But um, when you're in this creative phase, there are things, objects, things that happen um, that we identify with that people are more like, well, you know, what, what if we attach to the lighthouse, right? That's a thing. And it's a known factor and it's got emotional weight already. And we can sort of bring that into our brand and sort of connect. Um, whereas, you know, creating a character or something new that's never been done before or a new concept, it's a little scarier. 
And so I think it was like, all right, well, let's do both, right? Like yeah. we knew the character-driven stuff is going to sell better. We knew that that, let's do both. Um, and that's how, you know, all the pieces get inside the brand. How do you, I've got to ask you this question. How do you like your oysters? Ooh, uh, raw. There you go. All right. Yeah. Are they, are they uh, readily available in San Diego? I feel like. Absolutely. Should... Yeah. No, we, um, and I don't know if that's, re- you know, we do have, we do have oysters off the coast. Yeah. Okay. Although, you know, every time you go there, like, do you want these special ones from, you know, Alaska or the East Coast or <laughs> you know, Baja California? You know, no, I love oysters. So this is, right. this is great for me. All right. Well, Jason, thank you so much. I really yeah. appreciate you hopping on talking about the shuckers. This is a, this is a fun one from, from way back when. So I know you had to, you had to, to, to pull out your old notes on this one. So I appreciate you doing that. Hey, we'll see you again soon on the okay. baseball by design podcast. Everyone can find Brandios at brandios.com and on all the socials at Brandios. Jason, we'll talk to you next time. Awesome. All right, everyone. Welcome back. I am very Pleased right now to have on the phone live from Biloxi, Mississippi, D from the Blind Tiger Seafood Restaurant. D, how are you doing? I'm great. How are you? I am doing very well. The reason I'm calling, as we were just talking about before we started the recording here, is we're doing an episode of the Baseball by Design podcast about the Biloxi Shuckers because apparently shuckers are a thing in Biloxi, Mississippi. They're a big deal in Mississippi. So I'm curious, just, you know, what is, what is your experience with, with oysters as someone who's from there? And, you know, why, why do you think they might be uh, a, a big, big enough deal to name a baseball team after? Well, I mean, I grew up with oysters in my family. Uh, my parents would sit outside and, you know, shuck oysters from the sack and just eat them right then and there. Um, so as long as I've been alive, I've always been around oysters. I believe that they're so popular because we have oyster reefs just readily available for us, you know. Well, what is it when you say you would shuck oysters, you said right from the sack? Is that what you said? Uh-huh, yeah. What, we what, would dip what, them in brown sacks, and um, my parents would sit outside, and, you know, they would open one, eat it, open one, put it in a mason jar. and. <laughs> <laughs> well, so I was going to actually ask you that question. Like, what what is shucking? What is it like as someone – who, I mean, I grew up not too far from the ocean, but not really near oysters, I don't think, at the Jersey Shore. Um, you know, being, being growing up with, so I did not grow up with oysters the way you did. What does it mean to actually shuck an oyster? What is that process? Well, um, first you got to make sure that you have a glove on because you don't want to stab yourself, but there is actually a shucky knife that was designed to open a shell. So you just Get it from the bag, hold it in your hand, put the knife in there, and just shuck it open. That's amazing. And how do you, when you would, when you were growing up eating them this way, how would you prepare them? Would you just eat them straight from the shell, or would you season them in any way? Uh, well, my dad would always eat them, you know, raw, but my mom okay. would fry them for us. And um, you can actually also just stick them on the grill and char grill oh. them. So you you are a manager at the Blind Tiger Restaurant in Biloxi. Uh, what are, what are the ways you prepare oysters there that are popular with people who come to your restaurant? Well, we um, do serve them raw, and okay. uh, we also char grill them as well. But every once in a while, we'll run a special. You know, we'll um, you know throw some cheese and bacon on them, or you know cu- I'll let my cooks come up with a creative idea, and um, and we'll serve them that way. But um, they are mostly popular in our restaurant, char grilled. Char grilled, okay. 
Mm-hmm. And I mentioned the Biloxi Shuckers. Have you been to a Shuckers game? Oh, yeah, it's always so fun. And I, I really do love how, you know, the Shuckers interact with the families and, and it brings the family into the, the whole game and, and, you know, bring them out on the field. So it's really nice to know that, you know, you can go out and enjoy the game and bring your family with you. I'll ask you one last question. That Shuckers logo, what do you think about uh, Oysters as a baseball logo? Would you be intimidated to play a baseball team of Oysters? No, I, I really am not. Uh, <laughs> if you're from Biloxi, Mississippi, you know what an oyster is. And, I, you know, I think that it's something that, you know, Biloxi should be proud of. <laughs> well, it's a really fun team. I have not been to the to the game to a game there yet, but uh, it looks like it's really a lot of fun. See, I very much appreciate you receiving a goofy phone call in what I'm sure is a busy day for you. Uh, So thanks very much. Hey, if people are going to Biloxi, how do they find your restaurant online? Well, we are located um, in Biloxi right across the street from Harris Casino. But if they want to find us on Facebook, it's going to be under the Blind Tiger Biloxi. Okay. Fantastic. The Blind Tiger Biloxi. Thank you so much, Dee, and have a great rest of your day. All right. Thank you. You too. All right, everyone, welcome back. So pleased to be joined, as always, as I am every week, by my good friend Dan Simon of Studio Simon, which you can find on Instagram at Studio underscore Simon. We'll get that right up front this time, Dan, because sometimes we forget to mention where people can find you on social media. Good morning, Dan. Happy Studio Stumper. What day is today? Wednesday. Happy Studio Stumper Wednesday to you. Maybe in your time zone, it's Wednesday. Where (laughs) I live, it's Thursday. I am 0 for 1 on this stumper already. It's Thursday. It's a short week. It's Thursday. Good morning, Dan. Hello. How are you doing? I am fantastic, Paul. Thank you very much for asking. How are things in in Fort Collins, Colorado? Cold today, as, uh, as it has been for much of this winter. I'll tell you where it's not cold, probably, or where it's less cold than it is right here is Biloxi, Mississippi, home of the Biloxi Shuckers. You're shaking your head no. You think it's cold? I'm shaking it admiringly. Paul Caputo, <laughs> the master of segues. Biloxi, Mississippi, warming my heart while my body is cold here in Colorado. This is a uh, a logo, a nickname based on the seafood industry. And so that's, uh, you know, yes, you have a certain amount of that in the Gulf Coast here with a lot of the teams down there. There's a lot of seafood uh, mentioned in minor league baseball logos and nicknames. So I'm curious to see where this is going to go. I kind of feel like we should have, uh, I don't know, like a white wine or a glass of beer or something and some some oysters on a plate with some, what do you do, like marinara sauce, some some red sauce with it? Probably not, being that uh, coastal edibles is not going to be the, the theme of today's mm. dumper. Rather, we are going to go with somebody with connections to Biloxi. And that somebody is a big favorite of mine, the, may he rest in peace, the recently departed Jimmy Buffett. Mm. Uh, Here here are his connections to Biloxi. And there may be more, but just for the purpose of this stumper, we will talk about the fact that he was born in Pascagoula, Mississippi, which is just about 20 miles due east of, of Biloxi. Uh, I would imagine an easy half-hour drive um, on hit one of his best albums. If you, for those of you who might be be parrot heads, uh, changes in latitudes, changes in attitudes. That album, which where you will find his uh, 
his biggest hit, Margaritaville, there's also a song entitled Biloxi, which is a, a lovely ballad, uh, beautiful song. Um, I urge, just as I sometimes urge listeners to see this movie or read this book, I recommend that album. And if you're not familiar with the song Biloxi, um, give that a listen. So in addition to his connections to Biloxi, Mississippi, um, Jimmy Buffett also has connections to baseball. Um, one of them is in 2005, he was the very first musician to play a concert at Wrigley Field. And he was part owner of two minor league baseball teams, which brings us to today's Studio Simon Stumper, a two truths and a lie question. I love this so much. I love the... I love the connection that that you made here. He had a song called Biloxi. He owns two minor league baseball team, owned two minor league baseball teams. And now we're going to go two truths and a lie here. Dan, I'm excited for this. Okay, it's a segue like uh, like the famous Paul Caputo segues. <laughs> um, so um, our studio Simon Stumper today asks, which of these studio Simon teams was not one of the teams of which Jimmy Buffett was part owner? Was it A, the Rancho Cucamonga Quakes, B, the Madison Black Wolf, or C, the Fort Myers Miracle? He was part owner of two of those teams, but not of one. All right. I'm going to say, based on the nature of the identity that you created for that Fort Myers Miracle, it had a palm tree. It had this sort of beachy feeling, this beachy sensibility about it. Unless you're, unless it's in, an intentional diversion, I'm gonna say that that one, that one feels like a team that Jimmy Buffett might be involved with, just because of the sort of beachy sensibility to it, and not too far from from Biloxi. It's part of you know, it's on the Gulf Coast there. So, all right. So the Madison Black Wolf and the Rancho Cucamonga Quakes. I thought the Rancho Cucamonga Quakes might be a possibility because they're in Southern California, albeit inland Southern California. And, you know, Jimmy Buffett's in the entertainment industry. And so maybe that connection to Southern California might be uh, a factor. I don't recall ever hearing anything about that. And I've written about the Rancho Cucamonga Quakes. And so I don't I don't recall that there was ever any conversation about about that team and Jimmy Buffett. So I I almost want to say that that one's the lie. The Madison Black Wolf, I know that we have talked about it briefly on this podcast. We've referenced it briefly on this podcast before. It was short-lived, I believe, that team. And I don't know too much about it. So I'm going to say, even though I feel like he might have had a connection in Southern California, the lead contender right now is the Quakes, just because I don't believe I've ever heard anything about that. I'm going to say Miracle, yes, he was part owner of it. Madison Black Wolf, I don't know, but I don't think that Quakes is the right answer. So I am going to go Quakes was the team that Jimmy Buffett was not involved with. Okay. Well, then here we go. First, I want to mention, as you were sussing this out, uh, you were saying the Fort Myers Miracle Identity uh, it seems like something that would be consistent with Jimmy Buffett and everything we know about him, palm trees, things like that. Um, 
Jimmy Buffett had nothing to do with the development of any of these identities. Mm. So, but you're the the fact that it is located on on the Gulf Coast in you know a, a tropical um, climate city. Um, it certainly does make it an obvious uh, choice of teams for Jimmy Buffett to be part owner. And he was indeed part owner of that team. Okay. Um, the Madison Black Wolf, I, we're talking about Madison, Wisconsin, now the home of the, uh, the summer collegiate Madison Mallards. Um, it, I don't really understand how he became part owner of that team, but he was indeed part owner of that team. They played in the independent Northern League as an expansion club um, that later went under. And at Warner Park, where they played, is was taken over by the Madison Mallards, who have been very successful there. He was not owner of the Rancho Cucamonga Quakes, even though, yes, it's... Uh, as you pointed out, located in, in Southern California. Um, I've been to many a Rancho Cucamonga Quake game from my days living in Los Angeles. It's only about, if I remember correctly, about 60 miles due east. Um, however, in Los Angeles, that's normally like a two hour drive. Um, in all seriousness, oh, yeah. um, so you are correct. He did not, was not part owner of the Rancho Cucamonga Quakes. On the internet, there is some indication, I have seen it written that he was part owner of the St. Paul Saints, another Studio Simon team. Mm. I don't think that is correct, though. I could not, I, I found one or two posts that said that, but I couldn't find anything that corroborated that. So I don't think that's correct. But I will add this one last little tidbit. Um, in Jimmy's 1998 book of memories and observations of his life up until that point, a book entitled A Pirate Looks at 50, which is um, a, a twist on a song he wrote called A Pirate Looks at 40. Um, he wrote that the reason he invested in those teams was so that on forms that asked for his, that he had to fill out that asked for his occupation, he could write baseball team owner. So, <laughs> <laughs> that's great there yet. i i am not a parrot head but i will say that that uh, i do find that endearing that's uh that's kind of fun so um did you have any interaction with him uh in in creating those brands no no he wasn't involved with that my only interaction with him was being in the audience at several of his uh concerts which were the greatest things it was i've seen him in outdoor settings, um, when I lived in in Los Angeles, somewhere, some amphitheater in Orange County, I've seen him in indoor settings, um, great concerts, great music, everything about Jimmy Buffett I love. Well, this is a, a, a total aside here, but speaking of musicians and baseball, uh, Ranger Amy and I are going to go see Billy Joel play at Coors Field in July, so I'm very excited for that. Have you seen Billy Joel Never. Previously? No, and I was a huge fan growing up. Like he was, you know, as a, in my teen years, Billy Joel was a, a formative musician for me. So this is uh, this is something of a bucket lister. Paging Anna Di Tommaso. This is a, a bucket list item for me. Well, let me. I will say this about that. Um, I have seen a number of concerts of bands and 
individuals whose heyday was well behind them. Hmm. And for the most part, there's a reason that their best days are behind them. They're not like they used to be. And I went to see Billy Joel here in Louisville. It was pre-pandemic, but not that much pre-pandemic. So, uh, you know, 2018, maybe sometime around then. And going into that concert, I was not expecting much. I was actually expecting to be a little disappointed. Completely blew me away. He's he's not the guy running around the stage. He might have been when when he was when he was much younger. You know, he he in his heyday in the 1970s. You know, we're talking about almost 50 years later, if not more. Um, still a great concert. So I I think you are going to have a very you and Ranger Raymer are going to have a very good time there, and I'm I will be uh, enjoying it vicariously through you and Ranger Raymer. Well, I look forward to reporting out on that. In the meantime, Dan, thanks so much for being here with another of your studio, Simon Stumpers. I know you work hard on these, and every week you you deliver time and time again. Thank you, and we'll see you next week. See ya.